Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Hey folks, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. And I'm Father Shane Demon. And it's always good to be with you, Father Shane, but we've actually spent an exceptionally uh, large amount of time together we the have past indeed. few weeks. But it's good to be recording this when we're both much more rested than what we were yes. traveling about. So we we just got back recently from our, let's see, fifth or fourth, fifth, annual, fourth? Well, well yeah, no, it, started, it started in 17... 17 was the first quest trip. No, 18, excuse me. 18 was the first quest trip. 18, 19, yeah, it's fourth. Fourth, yeah. I had to take a little break there with COVID. Yeah. And then we're back, back at it. So the quest trip, um, how do you kind of pitch it? You kind of say like a masculine holiness adventure. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's an outdoor excursion slash pilgrimage, just helping guys, be, you know, growing in their faith, high school and college age men. Yeah. We offer later in the summer, Quavadis, which is, explicitly a discernment retreat Mm -hmm. um, with the seminaries running that. But this kind of is a little bit broader. There's obviously discernment that goes into it. But really what I love about it is this opportunity to allow men from the diocese to connect and actually share in like meaningful conversations. Right. Um, Even if most of the time it's just kind of goofing around and doing fun stuff. um, I don't think a lot of these guys get to have conversations about the faith or religious conversations, but they did. And it was beautiful. Yeah, I, I think every single one of them walked away challenged in their faith, renewed, very hopeful that there are other men kind of in the trenches with them, striving for masculine holiness in the same ways that they're hoping for in their own lives. Or even even if they just went on the trip, say, well, I'm going to go have fun hiking and whitewater rafting, I, I think they, they were still touched by the fact that, wow, here's 50 guys who are actually singing at Mass. Here's 50 guys who are Correct. taking time for a rosary, Lying morning prayer, and evening prayer. Yeah, right. confessions, adoration. Yeah. In the midst of these fun activities when we were hiking and doing whitewater rafting, high ropes courses. And as you're probably wondering, where, uh, Father Shane and Father Travis, Please tell our would listeners, you find where, hiking where? and whitewater rafting in the Midwest? Well, not close. <laughs> so um, in the past, we've gone no. to the Black Hills and we hiked Harney Point. And then yes. uh, when I- Black Elk Point now. Black Elk Peak. Peak, excuse me. Black Elk Peak. I, uh-huh. Yeah. But the locals, they all call it Harney Point. But Black Elk, of course, uh-huh. was the cause open for canonization. Uh, whatever. There you go. Uh, and then when I wasn't able to go, when I was just living my, my best priest life, as they say. Yes. Um, y'all went to Estes Park Estes at the YMCA Park. camp in Colorado. Had a great Ooh, time. Which was a good time. And then you wanted to just switch it up a little bit. So instead of going west, we went very east. We went um, east. We went to North we went, Carolina. New experience for. We went to right outside of Asheville, North Carolina. And I tell you what, I was loving that southern accent. <laughs> I tried boiled peanuts at a gas station for the first time. I was having grits every morning for breakfast. Uh-huh. Uh, there was pimento cheese dip one day on the salad bar, which is oh, a southern I missed thing. that. It's kind of a little oh. unique little on the okay. side. But yeah, I always love the southern charm. So we went to, um, yeah, I guess what was it called? Blue Mountain. Well, it's the Blue Ridge, Ridge YMCA camp at Black Elk or Black right. uh, Black Mountain, North <laughs> Carolina. Too many There's colors. No here. elks. Um, uh, it was great beautiful beautiful like, yeah the smokies are beautiful the smokies are beautiful and what was exciting is that when you hear um country road the song right? well, we weren't in west virginia i know but it starts off and it says blue ridge mountains and it was talking about those true. mountains because they go all the way through both states true so exciting 
uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, campus too at this uh, YMCA. Yeah, pretty historic. Very historic. It was awesome. Yeah. So that was great. But uh, we took a, a charter bus. And we drove back through the night. Mm-hmm. However, Wasn't that fun? Yeah, well, it would have been just fine. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't have been fine. It would have been a little difficult. But you also sent uh, your your vehicle. Yes. along as like a lead car right and i somehow Support vehicle. i somehow had the like 3 a.m to 6 a.m driving shift you volunteered um i did i did <laughs> um which was good yeah you and tommy got caught up we did we yeah lots listen to lots of uh, avid brothers and it was your jam time. fest it really was you really wanted to play your playlist and uh yeah it go was all good night time. it was a good time but it's gonna be back to be rested back from the quest um but now it's on me i gotta plan one for next year so it's all your baby. Yeah, thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks for uh, setting me up for some success. We'll walk you through it, Father. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, so we're st- whenever this, you know, people are listening to this, we're recording in June still, and Corpus Christi's coming up soon. Yes. And I've been tasked uh, not only, you know, with planning new quest trips, but the, um, the diocesan uh, liturgist and MC for the bishop is out of town, uh, at grad school, so I am. Uh, I've I've been tasked with emceeing a, a Corpus Christi procession with the bishop soon. Good for you. So the Eucharist is on my mind, and it has been as uh, June, like we were saying, dedicated to the Sacred Heart, but also um, the Eucharist, especially around Corpus Christi, the the solemnity of the body and blood of Jesus that falls in June. When I was in Guatemala studying Spanish a few years ago, I got to experience the rich and beautiful. Uh, Latino tradition of Eucharistic processions. Have you got to experience that in? Uh, I have. Latin I, America, not in Latin America. I've but experienced. Here in the I've experienced it here, and I've experienced it in the states, or excuse me, in in Europe. Yeah, um, with some Eucharistic processions there. It's great. Yeah, not that it's exclusive to Latin America, obviously, but there's a particular um, passion and, and mm-hmm. flair that goes into it. Uh, in the particular uh, diocese in Guatemala where we studied they had a special permission given to that diocese that every parish got to celebrate Corpus Christi on a different day Mm. so that they could all have processions and not like run into each other in the street or something. So we got a traffic jam. It was wild. We got a traffic jam. There's too many monstrances coming in this intersection. Every week and sometimes multiple days a week throughout the month of June and July, there were um, Corpus Christi processions all over the place. There's all these little pueblos and stuff around the city. So my friend and I, uh, I don't know if he's listening, shout out to Kyle Lecker. Uh, we we went on on a procession and we were thinking, okay, it'll be like an hour or so. We finished just processing around kind of like the flat part at the bottom of the mountain and had been processing for about an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And we thought, okay, this is great. This is a really full, beautiful procession. There's lots of, there's a marching band, there's fireworks going off. There's all sorts of stuff. The alfombras are on the ground. It's beautiful. Then we turn up a street that it's looking straight up a mountain. Mm. I'm thinking we're definitely not going up that mountain. That oh. is a massive, massive mountain. And I look up the hill and there's decorations dangling from like this, the streetlights way up the mountain. I think about three and a half hours later, we finished at the bottom. Good for you. Uh, we're absolutely exhausted. But to <laughs> see the faith uh, in the Eucharist of the, of the people of, of that Guatemalan Pueblo was, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. However, with this theme of feeling outcast, as we often lean into, I think a lot of people today, a lot of Catholics who go to Mass every Sunday, are often outcast from the Church's teaching about the Eucharist. It's confusing. And especially in America, when we live in a very Protestant culture, um, it's, it's confusing to understand what do we believe as Catholics. 
um, what do we believe the Eucharist is? Can we, we hear that it's his real presence, but there's also this recent study that shows very few Catholics in the pews really believe that with some kind of conviction. Um, so there's just a lot of confusion, a lot of um, not even wishy-washy teaching, but just kind of like murky belief or questionable belief. What do we believe as Catholics and how do I hold that firmly in the midst of a, a culture um, that's more and more secular, but even the Christian culture, it's predominantly Protestant, you know? Um, so I thought we could just lean into the Eucharist and have a fuller understanding of that this this month, but then also this season. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Christians out there who would really question: Is Jesus really present in each consecrated host and each drop of consecrated blood? But then there's a lot of Catholics who do. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jesus is there, but they might not know how to categorize that. They might not know how to describe that, or to kind of be a, an evangelical witness to share that faith and testimony with other people. Right. So perhaps we could kind of categorize that and break that down a little bit for yeah, people. Yeah, that sounds good. And and of myself, even in even in high school, as I started to discern the priesthood, and then in college seminary, I felt that of myself. This awareness that I believe, and I really want to believe, that Jesus is here present. When I started experiencing adoration at a Steubenville conference at the parish, when I started to experience at the mass in particular during like the behold the lamb of God. And when I went up to receive communion, there was this awareness while I was discerning seminary, uh, seminary and priesthood that Jesus is, is present here. But that question was always in the back of my mind of how and why, because I had so many Protestant friends, it always seemed like our belief in the Eucharist was this weird thing over on the side. Mm-hmm. But then yet the catechism is teaching that the Eucharist is the source and summit of our Christian life. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I, I don't know if for many Catholics it becomes the source and summit. So hopefully we can kind of lean into that. Sure. Dr. Lawrence Feingold, who you will get to know well, uh, yeah. is a professor of theology at well known. Henrik Seminary, um, whose son was just hired there too, which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Feingold has a beautiful story of conversion. Um, grew up a, um, uh, a non-practicing ethnic Jew in New York. Um but then had this beautiful, beautiful conversion and went from being a marble sculptor to a to mystic theologian. Um, and as one does. As one does, with the yes. same passion now as a theologian as he had as a marble sculptor, which, uh-huh. is, which is beautiful. But he also has a way of um, writing very succinctly in a way that's very digestible, which is wonderful. And the textbooks that he's written about the Eucharist and fundamental theology, and I think a few more have been published, are his really practical and helpful course notes. And they're very easy to follow, and they have beautiful footnotes that are huge, and, but they're, it's very, very systematic, and it's very easy to follow. But his Eucharist text, which you can purchase, um, and our listeners, if you, you know, just a deep dive into theology, that's, that's very, um, it's deep, it's deep theology, but it's accessible because it's so um, practically applied and systematic. Like, you can mm-hmm. just keep walking back through these different steps. It's called uh, the Eucharist Presence, Sacrifice, Communion. So while we could talk about those forever, I mean, I had a whole semester course on the text, obviously. Um, I think it's really helpful to walk through that little pattern. Presence, Jesus' real presence, the real sacrifice of the cross, and real communion that's possible. It's an easy system. It is, yeah. There's so much focus on the real presence. People talk about that all the time. Real presence radio, I'm pretty sure, is the Catholic radio in the Dakotas or whatever. Um, Jesus' real presence. Why? Do we need his real presence in the Eucharist? Remember from the end of Matthew, Jesus promised that he would be with us always, even until the end of the age. That's fulfilled in Pentecost, but what's it mean that Jesus is really with us as the church? Um, 
we are humans and we, uh, God gives according to our mode of receiving. So yes, we need to have a spiritual presence, but also we need a physical presence, right? So that's present in the church in holy orders, but it's also present here in the sacrament of the Eucharist. But then the bigger question is, well, why? Like, why does Jesus' presence need to be there at Mass? Because we want him. We want him to be around. Uh, we want to feel his consolation, his love. But it's so that, and this is most important, and I think this is most often missed by even Catholics in the pews, so that the sacrifice of the cross can be represented to the Father every time we come to Mass. That can be really confusing because we often think of language of justification that Jesus died on the cross. And if I'm baptized, if I believe that I'm saved, I was justified once for all when Jesus died on the cross. However, I think Dr. Feingold put this beautifully. There's only a few people standing at the cross. Often in art, Mary, the mother of Jesus and St. John are pictured. And as the, as the gospel relates, there was a few other women probably, but not all of us. And Jesus wants all of us to have the opportunity to join our lives in sacrifice, in love, like we talked about recently, at the foot of the cross. And just like Mary, who joins her life in sacrifice on the cross with Jesus, just like St. John, who's invited to do the same, Jesus wants to give us each that opportunity. So at the Mass, Jesus' true presence on the altar is offered, represented, right, by those of us who are ministerial priests with the baptized priesthood to the Father, not to sacrifice Jesus again, not to kill him again on the altar, but to have our participation present at the cross so that, you guessed it, we can experience communion. The, the three-minute summary of Dr. Larry Feingold's uh, course, well, right there. <laughs> there right it is. There, you don't even need to take the course. No, I'll, we'll just pass, that on, pass the notes on to the other seminary. Yeah. Just listen to this, and they'll be ready. Yeah, just listen to that quick one. This, yeah. This year, uh, I, there, <laughs> Cliff Notes version there, by Father Travis Crowder. There is the uh, oral exam. I just gave it. There you it did, is. right there. Congrats. I give you a solid 10 on that. <laughs> we don't do those. What do numbers. you do? A, B, C. Yeah, so yeah it's America. Come on. Okay. You're used to that. Um, when Jesus walked on earth, he was constantly um, enamored and fixated on doing the will of the Father. So everything that he, everything that his earthly presence was about was ordered towards the Father. And so if we're going to bring his presence back on earth again, sacramentally, especially through the Eucharist, well, what is that supposed to be for? Ordering him and us through him back to the Father, right? Which points to that ongoing um, unbloody memorial that is always represented on the altar at every single Mass, drawing us once again into that one sacrifice that has been accomplished for everybody and for all times. Um the presence has to be ordered back towards the sacrifice. It's not a presence that just kind of is aimlessly there. <laughs> you know, just Jesus doesn't come back in the Eucharist just to hang out because he thought you were lonely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And what's difficult is I think in the past, I mean, obviously just a little older than I am. Um, so but <laughs> there has been a beautiful resurgence of Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, beautiful. However, there does become a tension of, well, if adoration is so wonderful, if Jesus is present here and I can just hang out with him in these chapels that litter the, the country in the Midwest, then why, why wouldn't I just want to say that all the time? You know, there's those lines about different, I think, religious leaders in the past where it's like, if, if, I actually, if, if that was actually God, if you believe that that's God, why wouldn't you spend all your time there, right? 
and there was so much struggle with the with the covid pandemic of the churches being shut down and people you know, not being able to spend time in the presence of jesus um in the eucharist and the blessed sacrament in the tabernacles right or monstrances but the temptation becomes then well that seems better if i could just spend most of my time if i could spend an hour seeing an adoration compared to an hour of mass um why, why would i want to just hang out with jesus that's where it gets to this point what's it oriented toward mm-hmm. a representation a participation in the sacrifice of the cross mm-hmm. which then draws us into the deepest sense of communion right communion just doesn't stop at you sitting in front of a monstrance in your own privatized form of adoration Communion is ultimately leading us to the Father uh, through the Son in the power of the Spirit. And if we're all doing that together, then not only are we kind of having a shared uh, mission and participation in the same activity, but the source itself draws us all together in himself, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Such that someone going to adoration, someone going to Mass, someone doing a Eucharistic procession, any part in the world we're ultimately seeking not only to worship the same Lord, but to be caught up in his very divine life. Yeah. And that unites us on a much deeper level than just simply the title of saying we're Catholic. Yeah. Right. Yes. And often I think a lot of the time there are a lot of Catholics in pews, a lot of priests who struggle too to believe that any three of those things are really happening. I think a lot of the time it's especially clear that Catholics who struggle to, to understand or believe those three things, what what happens then? It's like you show up, you hope there's some some good music, a spicy homily, and then you hope it's short. <laughs> you, you hope the shortest Eucharistic prayer, you know, you, you hope those like random Roman saints don't get like, you know, oh no, it's Eucharist prayer one. Oh, here Sixtus Cornelius, yeah, not again. Lawrence Chrysogonus, why? What are you doing to me? Uh, and then you just hope to get out of there. But then even the Catholics who like do believe, okay, this is Jesus' presence and the only reason I came to Mass today was to receive, as I've, you know, I've heard you say before, it's like my Jesus pill. Like, right. I came here to receive my Jesus pill and if they would just give it to me at the beginning, that'd be great. Then I'd go over in the corner and pray by myself. But what often happens, and I've called this out to high school students and parishioners and they just like, they're, they're kind of appalled because it's true. The same thing happens. Even if you believe Jesus is present in the Eucharist, you show up, you hope for some nice music, spicy homily, and then you sit kind of bored on your knees or kneel board for a little while until you can receive communion, right? Because we're kind of missing like the the next two steps of the sacrifice of the mass and communion. And what's unfortunate is that all of this beautiful uh, literature that led up to the Second Vatican Council and the reform of the liturgy was all about the participation in the sacrifice of the mass of the people to experience deep and abiding communion. And so often that's not what happens, right? So often today we kind of doubt his presence there, but definitely we don't understand what it means that the sacrifice of the mass, like that the sacrifice of the cross is being represented. We're being invited into that to experience communion. Well said. There's nothing more I could say. (laughs) You just just summarized it all. Um, I think that Dr. Feingold's little summary there of looking at communion, the Eucharist itself, you know, as presence, sacrifice and communion is it's a wonderful model to understand our own form of worship what should be happening as we're being led into adoration but also just the general christian journey yeah Uh, it's very helpful and it might just be a helpful reminder when you go to mass the next time just to have a little bit more reflection and understanding of what's happening if you got little kids that's difficult right that but that gets become your participation in the sacrifice of jesus on the altar um, but if you find yourself in those moments of being kind of bored, and of course we're human, we're not, we don't have to be like 
so invested and committed the entire time, there's no distraction that goes through our mind. That's impossible. But to be brought back to the reality that's present, Jesus truly present through the consecration of his ministerial priesthood on the altar of bread and wine. But then the sacrifice that's then offered, that meat of the Eucharistic prayer that you get to offer yourself with, with a priest through his words, and then the hopefully deep and lasting communion, the intimacy that Jesus wants to give each of us um, in receiving communion, and then spending time with him um, of afterwards. So hopefully that's an encouraging uh, word and experience, hopefully this weekend when you celebrate Mass. Good words. It's great to celebrate Corpus Christi with you this month, and hopefully we'll all just keep growing in greater communion through the Eucharist. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.